Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15 and shout out amen really loud when you get there so we know that you got there with us. We're going to look at verses 1 through 17 today of John chapter 15. Mm, I heard one. Mm-hmm. Mm. There you go. That was loud. I like it. I like it. John chapter 15. And while we're looking at that, I'm going to enjoy some of my favorite foods. Hope you don't mind that. I didn't get to eat breakfast, so it's going to do that while we're preaching today. The word of the Lord says this in John chapter 15. Forgive my chewing in the midst of it. But this is good watermelon. The word of the Lord doesn't say that, but this is good watermelon. Amen. 299 at Target right now. <laughs> I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will, it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in, if you do, you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And this is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my, in, in my name, the Father will give you. So this is my command. Love each other. Jesus, I pray that this message would spur us on to bear fruit. 
And Jesus, I pray that that fruit will be long-lasting, sweet, ripe fruit. In the name of Christ, amen. I need a couple of people who will come eat some fruit with me. Who will come eat some fruit? Come on, come on. I need, I need more. You, I knew you was going to be fast to get up here. I, I, need, I need more than just Pastor Charlie. need a couple more people. Come on, I, I, I can't preach until it's gone. So if you don't come get some fruit, we're going to just stand here and look at me awkwardly for a long time. Come on, get some, get some. Everybody come on and get some, yeah. I got some watermelon, some strawberries. Pastor Charlie, you want to go in the Welcome Center and grab one of them trash cans? This way people don't have to uh, hold their rinds the whole time. Yeah, go ahead, get what you want, baby boy. Yeah, actually, you suck on that one for a long time. You enjoy that. You enjoy that, yeah, here you go. Mm-hmm. Those who are following along on the podcast won't be able to taste the fruit we're eating, but you know, hey, it's cool. It's cool. I need some more people. I still got fruit. I still got, I know it's a long way back, but I can't walk that far. Come on, come on, come on. There you go. Come on. That's it. Put mom on blast. Come get it, mom. There you go. Come on now. The fruit is good. The fruit is good. There you go. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We want you to bear good fruit. Yeah. That's good. That's good. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fruit is good. Come on, you don't, don't ever say you came to church and you ain't get nothing, you know what I mean? Like, all right, all right. Y'all don't really want me to eat while I preach the whole time. Come on, somebody. Somebody. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a good one. That's the one I would pick. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Pastor Charlie, you got to take another one. Yeah, they just, they just. All right, Lori, I'm just going to bless you. I know she likes some strawberries, and I'll just finish this one off because somebody's got to, you know? <laughs> All right. Let's acknowledge some things real quick. Number one, fruit is pretty yummy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And if you didn't eat any, it's because you didn't want us to know how much you love fruit. I understand. That's all right. You know? But, uh, but it's there, and it's yummy. Number two, number two. As yummy as fruit is, fruit that's not yummy is pretty awful, isn't it? You ever pick up a piece of fruit and try to eat it, and it was, it, it was, it was what's that called, spoiled? You know, like you pick up an apple and you, like, you poke it, and like your finger goes through it, you're like, ah, it's gross, you know? And you accidentally bite into it, and you're like, hey, you know, like that's, that's not good. That's not good. Well, thank the Lord that that's not true about your watermelon right now. And uh, nor your strawberries. Those strawberries, how, who had a strawberry? Were they good? They good? Yeah? All right. Some of y'all can't talk because you still eat, and I like that. I like that. That's good. So as, uh, as we go back and look at the Gospel of John in the 15th chapter, this is, this is what it says at the beginning. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Now think about this for a minute. When we pick up the Bible uh, to start with, and we start out in, in, in the book of Genesis, we're introduced to God as God the Creator, Right, and then you kind of if you're if you're trying to picture it, it's really hard because the Bible says that when everything started, there was nothing, except God. Right, it says it was just God, and then God just started to talk, and when He started to talk, things started to happen. You know, it's kind of you know, it's, it's pretty easy to imagine. Like 
God having the authority and the power to talk and making things happen, right? You probably grew up in a home where somebody in your house had that kind of authority, right? You know, they said run, and all of a sudden you started, right? You, your feet just started to move. Um, one of the, one of the, the, the speaker at Tree said he, he was raised by his mom. His dad wasn't in his life, and, uh, and he, said, uh, he said, I had a high reverence for my mom. Uh, he said, if I got in trouble, I'd rather somebody call the police than call my mom. He's like, because I just knew who mom was. I knew how mom was going to handle it. And, uh, and so I just had a high reverence for mom. So it's easy for those of us who are in that, that kind of situation to imagine and say, you know, when God started talking, things started to happen. Because that's kind of how our lives were, not centered around God per se, but around family. And somebody in our family started to talk and said, yes, all right, ready to attention. Or maybe, maybe you served in the military. You know somebody who served in the military. And uh, when your sergeant or your superior starts to talk, all of a sudden, you just start to respond. You do exactly as you're told, exactly when you're told. It's like they speak it and you do it. Well, that's kind of how the Bible starts off. It starts off with there being nothing, and all of a sudden God starts talking. And when he starts talking, you kind of imagine, boom, boom. God says, you know, earth and sky and land and water. And all of a sudden these things just start to appear, right? And that's how we start off in the, in the book of Genesis. But then after God is done creating and he takes a little rest, which is kind of cool, God takes a little nap. I, I like to think it was like a power nap, you know, because what, he, what happens after that is equally as amazing as what happened before that. So he got a little charged up after the seventh day, and then life starts to happen. And uh, the life that starts to happen includes the really, really good stuff and then uh, a little bit of the not-so-good stuff, right? Now, this isn't a surprise. Everybody just... Just nod. You, 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 you remember this. You kind of remember the Genesis story, right? So in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, we meet God the creator. But in Genesis chapter 3, we meet God the gardener. Genesis chapter 3, we meet God the gardener, right? God is hanging out with Adam and Eve, and they're in the... Come on, you're with me now. They're in the garden, right? So we meet God the gardener, right? There's three people in the garden. There's Adam, there's Eve, and there's God. Right? And then, you know, there's that tree with the fruit that you don't touch, and they touch it, and they eat it, and then all the, the, the ripples that happen after that. But we meet God in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. Some of us remember some old hymns about walking with God in the garden, right? And so um, we meet God the gardener. Well, Jesus picks up that same story in, Genesis, in, in, uh, in John 15 when he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the Come on, he's the gardener. He's the, he's the gardener. My father's the gardener, right? So as soon as you hear that, oh, father, gardener, you immediately go back to Genesis chapter 3. You're like, oh, yeah, God hangs out in the garden. I remember that story, right? And you then, you then pick up the entire story of the Old Testament of God displaying his love for his people and his power, his authority. He displays all of that from Genesis chapter 3 all the way up to the crucifixion and the resurrection, right? So as soon as Jesus says, my daddy's a gardener, your mind remembers Genesis chapter 3 and then fastly jumps to all of the stories throughout the Old Testament of God displaying who he is. So this simple word of Jesus saying, my dad's a gardener, reminds us of all of that, who God is. And then he goes on to say this. He says, I'm the true vine, as if there were other vines. I'm the true vine. I'm the real one. Now, the vine is this picture of this, this planted, this rooted thing that, that kind of shoots up. It sprouts out. And, uh, and it holds in it all of the life 
the vibrancy, all of the, all of the authority, all of the power, everything that you and I would need in order to survive in the garden is found rooted in the true vine. So when Jesus says, I'm the true vine, he says, I'm the life source for the garden. My daddy's got a job to do in the garden, but I'm the life source in that garden. So understand who he is as he says this. He cuts off, my daddy cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Uh, you, you all know that my wife and I like to go camping. I mean, I, I think we like to go camping. We go camping, whether we like to or not. We go camping. And uh, the last time we were camping, most of the time we go camping, we were in some kind of wooded place. And uh, the last time we went camping, it was around 1.30 in the morning. And you ever have that feeling that somebody's staring at you? Yeah, anybody ever had that feeling that somebody's staring at you and you look around, you're like, I know somebody's looking at me. Like, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe like you're, you're in Starbucks and you're like typing away on your, on your, I almost said your typewriter. You're typing away on your computer. Some of you want to Google what that is. Uh, you're typing away on your computer, right? And, you know, you just look, you're like, I know somebody's looking at me, but you don't know who it is, right? Well, it was 1.30 in the morning and I kind of startled up and I was like, somebody's looking at me right now. Who is it? And I look up and there she was. She was just sitting there and just kind of staring at me intently. Not, not like, like, hey, honey, not like staring at me like that. She, TMI, sorry. And not, not staring at me like that. She was just staring at me like this, like, like fearfully, like panic mode. I was like, what is going on? Like, are one of the kids getting sick? Like, what's wrong? And she said, do you hear the wind? It's blowing hard. And I was like, yeah, but we're inside. It's outside. And then she said, did you ever think that maybe, like, a tree might tip over? And I just looked at her and said, it's 1.30 in the morning. No, I didn't think of that. Uh-uh. And she was like, but look out that window right there. That big tree right there, if it tips. And I just looked and calculated, and I just moved over an inch. I was like, I'm good. I'm good. So I offered to do, I'm thankful she didn't take me up on it, but I offered to do this. I said, do you want me to go outside and like push on the trees and see which ones look like they might fall? And she was like, that's not going to work. And I was like, all right, we're not, I just want to go back to sleep. <laughs> and so she let me, and I think she got a little bit more sleep that night too, but, but this, this idea that, you know, like a dead tree would just timber, right? Because it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be rooted in and just if, if like a strong breeze came through or a small child pushed on it, it would just fall. Maybe, maybe, you had, maybe you understand that idea, maybe you don't, but uh, thanks for enjoying the story with me. Um, the, 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 as Jesus is talking, he, he talks about um, every branch that bears no fruit needs to be pruned. It needs to be cut off. This is a, a, a pretty strong um, analogy that he's using. And part of the reason why there's so much, uh, why it's such strong language about pruning it and cutting it off is because it's dead to its purpose. It's dead to its purpose. We'll understand that more in a minute, but just kind of hang on to that idea. Some of y'all know that, uh, that I am a pretty good Christmas tree salesman. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anybody ever experienced my Christmas tree salesmanship? Thank you, Cadence, for... I've got one. <laughs> 
Just my daughter. Just my daughter. We are losing probably our best Christmas tree salesman uh, to a new profession. And so uh, if anybody would like to be a Christmas tree salesman with me in the middle of winter, that's when we sell Christmas trees, uh, please let me know. But uh, you'll know that I'm a pretty good Christmas tree salesman. I, I, like, to, I like to go out with, uh, I just like to cut things off that are dead. And so I like, and by the way, all Christmas trees are dead when you buy them. I'm letting you in on a secret, right? Just, I hope we all understand this. They're like flowers that you bring home, right? Even though you put them in water, they're not going to grow again. All right, it's over. <laughs> the life source is gone. There's only one direction they're going in, okay? All right, anyway, so I hope that didn't hurt our Christmas tree sales. But um, we'll follow along. I like when the Christmas trees get delivered, we like to cut them open, and, and then we, we begin to shape them and prune them. We go out there with our little snips and clippers, and we cut off branches that look like they're out of place or it look like they're, they're dying too quickly. And, and, you know, we make sure they got the right A-frame that we're looking for. And we stand the best ones in the front and put the ones not as good all the way in the back. And we do all those things because we're, we're, we're good Christmas tree salespeople. Um, we have an idea of what the Christmas tree should look like. You have that idea, too. Matter of fact, it, it, just think about it right now. Think about the ideal Christmas tree. Go ahead, think about that. Like the one you want in your house. You got the you got the picture? Got the picture? All right, we have it for $35 this year, okay? Make sure you come see us. All right? Um, but 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 that idea, we we, we kind of shape them. We cut off the pieces that are out of place or don't look right and we kind of make sure that it fits. <clears throat> Jesus says that his daddy does some of that. My daddy cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruits, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, he shapes it, so that it will be able to live into its purpose, bearing more fruit. Then he says, but you understand this because you're already, you're already clean. You folks are already a part of the story. You know who was probably at the gathering when Jesus was teaching? The disciples. They were there, right? You know who else was there with the disciples? There was one special disciple who was there. What was his name? Judas. Judas was there. He was probably standing in front of a small crowd, a little bigger than this maybe, but there were, there were 12 or so people who he knew intimately. And he knew, Jesus being he, he knew that one of them was already planning for something else. Judas had seen Jesus do everything that Jesus had done. He saw Jesus heal people. He saw Jesus perform miracles. He saw Jesus teach. He saw thousands of people respond. He saw the crowds that were following him around. He saw Jesus take lunch and make it into a buffet. Like, he saw Jesus. I didn't get that one. I thought it was good. He saw Jesus do a bunch of things. And Jesus teaches this story. He says that maybe you're in me, but you're not bearing fruit. And if so, you're going to get cut off. Pick it up with me in verse 3. He says, you're already clean because the word that I have spoken to you has made you clean. Now, verse 4, remain or abide in me as I remain or I abide in you. No branch can do it by itself. Can do what? Can bear fruit 
Why? Because a branch's purpose is to bear fruit. And on its own, the branch on its own is not, it's not grafted into the life source. I taught this story, I told this story a bunch of times before, but um, uh, I like to think that I'm pretty mechanically inclined, but I'm really not. But I like to think that I am. And so I buy things at Ikea that you have to put together. Anybody else like that? You buy some things you have to put together? Like you pay extra so you can put it together yourself? Come on, come on, put your hand up. Let's see who we are. Come on. Who shops at Ikea? Put your hand up. Put your hand up. If you, if you shop at Ikea, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I'll put Joel on blast real quick because Joel is leaving, and so he can't, like, he can't get mad and then not come back next week. So um, just a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, Joel was doing what Joel does. He likes to help people. And Christina, Christina Gann, who's about to get married and is overwhelmed with life in, in really good ways, um, Christina Gann was uh, planning the trikathon, which means the kids were going to ride their bikes around and people were going to give them money to raise money for the preschool. And uh, she said, you know, I need a bike to give away as a prize. And Joel said, well, go ahead and order it on Amazon, and I'll put it together for you. <laughs> Not I, but he. He was going to put it together for him. And so, so I came into church the other day, and I, I walked upstairs, and I see Joel, and he's like spread out in the upstairs. The whole upstairs is covered with like a thousand bike parts. <laughs> I said, Joel, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to figure out how to put this bike together. And the bike's like yay big, and the whole space is covered. I was like, that's interesting. I was like, Joel, order instructions. He was like, no. I was like, wow. All right, have a good day. <laughs> I dipped out, and I dipped out. And he got it all put together, and, uh, and then they looked at the bike, and they said, you know what, this isn't going to work. It's not going to work the way it should. And so he had to take it all apart. You can ask him for the rest of the story. But, but uh, I like to think of myself as somebody who is handy like that. I can put some things together. And uh, so I bought this lamp, this really cool lamp. And, and I went and got the, you know, kind of one of those light bulbs that will last forever because there's nothing worse than buying a really cool lamp and not having a light bulb that works. And so I bought this really, really cool light bulb that lasts forever, those spiral ones. You know, they got some word for it. I don't know what it is. But I stuck that thing in there, and I was like, whoa, this is going to light up the whole room. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. Michelle's going to walk in. She's going to be so proud of me. She's going to be like, my husband put that together and so she came in the room and she was like oh you put the lamp together this is beautiful let me see you turn it on and I turned it on and I turned it on again and it just wasn't working and I was so mad I was like I am done with this lamp and then Michelle walked over she looked at the lamp she looked down at the bottom of the lamp she followed the cord across. <laughs> I said, honey, let me help you with this. And she plugged it in the wall, and the whole room lit up. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And I just wanted her to have some purpose, so I let her do that, you know? It's not true. I was like, wow, like, you've got to actually be plugged into the life source in order to work. Even no matter how cool and pretty that lamp was without being plugged in. This wasn't going to work. Can I just be honest with y'all for a minute? Y'all are some really pretty branches. Y'all some really pretty branches. You look like you could bear some really good fruit. Like some of you, you know, you got like flowery fruit. Some of you got like sweet tasting fruit. And some of you got like fruit that's sustaining fruit. Some of y'all like, I mean, just, just good looking fruit. I'm just concerned that there might be some of us that aren't plugged in. There might be some of us that aren't grafted into the life source. We're not tied to the vine. 
And while you look really good right now, they're like, you're like the flowers I bring home to my wife. They're beautiful when I first buy them for five hours at Produce Junction. <laughs> but in about a week, no matter how much sunlight and water I put them in, they wilter and they die. And sooner or later, I find a dirty vase in the sink because she had to toss the flowers out. That's what Jesus is cautioning the disciples about. He's saying, look, you're with me. You're here. But if you don't actually plug in, if you don't graft yourself, if you're not grafted in, if you're not tied in, if you're not sunk in to the source, the gardener's going to come by, and he's going to see dead branches. Dead branches. I hope, you're, I hope you're with me. I hope you're, you, you, you stay on this with me because I think God's got something for us. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It's like a light that's not plugged into the wall. Like it does no good. It must remain. It must be tied into the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in Jesus. You abide in Jesus. Let me just talk for one second about this. What does it look like to abide in Jesus? Anybody have an idea? Just shout out something. And when, when I say, what does it look like to abide in Jesus? What do you think of? What does it look like to abide or to remain in Jesus? Somebody has to know this. I heard it somewhere. What I hear? Follow his teachings. That's part of it. What does it look like to abide or remain in Jesus? We follow his teachings. What else? Uh, I'm sorry. Too many at once. More like him. I heard trust. I think I heard. Where did I hear trust at? Trust. Yeah. Trust, be like him, follow his teachings. What else? Love one another. Love one another. What else? Follow his word. Surrendering to God's will. All these things make sense. What? Believe. 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 We talked about that on That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Believe. Surrendering to God's will. Following his word. Trust. Uh, uh, look more like Jesus. Follow his teaching. All of those things make sense. What does it mean to abide with one another? What does it mean to like a husband to abide with his wife? What does that mean? To live with his wife. What else? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. What else? Trust. Sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. She snuggled into Scott when she said it. Sacrificial love. That's all those things are great, right? So here it is. Here it is. Check this out, right? If you want to abide with somebody, that means you want to be with them. Let's start here. You want to be with them. Abide with them. You want to, you want to hang out with them. You want to do life with them. You want to rub off on one another. You want to it, it, be engrafted together, right? So if I'm going to abide with my wife, that means once in a while we're going to go to dinner and we're going to look at each other, right? Eye to eye. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk. We're, we're going to hang out. We might go for a walk. We might actually hold hands when we do it. That would be I'm sorry, my hands like get clammy when we walk, and so. But but she'd have to handle that, right? Like like. But look, we're we're going to we're going to intertwine our lives together because because we love each other, right? So when Jesus says, "Abide in me," what he's saying to the disciples and to, to you and I today is, how is it that you and I can be with Christ? So when he was saying to his disciples, part of it was like, "Hey, I'm right here. Let's hang out. Let's hang out." But he ain't right here with us like that. Like, I don't, I don't see him right now. I, I mean, I see him in you. Don't take that too far. But I don't, I don't, I can't, like, 
hold hands with Jesus right now, right? Like, so what does it mean to abide in Jesus? So all of the things we just shared are all really good, but I think that I, I would boil it all down in this direction to say, like, are you intimately connected to God? Are you intimately connected to God? When, when things go askew, are you yelling out, hey, God, I need you? That's intimate connection. Or are you just kind of running off on your own? When you get worried and anxious, are you saying, hey, God, let's try to figure this out? Or are you just saying, I'm going to work harder and get it done myself? No, that's not to say we shouldn't work hard to try to get something done. It's not to say you shouldn't go do whatever the Lord points you to, but God's got to be involved in that story. And the only way that happens is if we actually take time to learn the word of God, take time to understand the will of God, if we actually trust the plan that God has for us, and then we actually pursue it. We say, yes, God, I'll go in your direction. So Jesus' invitation in verse 4 is to, is to, to remain, to abide, to, to be with him. Today, in, 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 in my circles, I use, these, I use this language. I say, I, I believe God has asked me to invest in those who lean into my life. I believe God has asked me to invest in those who lean in. So if you sit upright, your body language says to me, I don't need this investment. But if you lean in, I'm not talking about how you're sitting in the pew right now. I'm talking about in life. Some of y'all are like, I'm sorry, pastor. But if you lean in, like if you show up, if, if, if you come and you, you got your cup out and you're saying, pour into me, I, I receive that as an invitation of the Lord to invest in you. That's remaining in Christ. I hope when you go into your prayer closet, that's the posture you have before God. God, I got a lot of things to say, but nothing more than this. Pour into me. Pour into me. That's Jesus' invitation in verse 4. Verse 5, I am the vine, now you are the branches. If you abide in me, remain in me, I will, uh, you will bear much fruit. You will fulfill your purpose. Hey, let's boil this down for a second before we run out of time today. Um, God has given you a purpose. No, not you. He's given you a purpose. Okay, he's given you a purpose too. He's given you a purpose. And you. And that sweet little one over there. And my daughter. Yeah, he's given he's given y'all purposes. He's given me a purpose. You say, well, Pastor, what's my purpose? Remember at the beginning of the sermon, we were all eating fruit? Well, here's your purpose. Produce fruit. Be fruitful. Someday, someday, a long, long time from now, there'll be a faithful pastor who will stand in a spot like this, and he'll be declaring some words about your life in celebration of the life that you've lived. And there's a thousand things that he'll be able to say about you. He'll be able to recount some story about the way you did an un unbelievable feat. He'll be able to tell some story about your faithfulness and attendance to church. And he'll be able to talk about how we dedicated a wing of the building in your honor because you gifted the church a lot of money. Just checking. <clears throat> but there's nothing greater that he'll be able to say than this. Matter of fact, lean in for a minute, literally this time, lean in, because I want you to get this. Lean in, lean in, lean in, lean in. Wake your neighbor up and say, lean in, lean in. 
You ready? There's nothing greater that he'll be able to say than this. You bared much fruit. You fulfilled the will of God. You were a fruit-bearing disciple. You can sit back, take that in for a minute. Please hear me. Please hear me. <laughs> Jesus wants you to bear much fruit. He doesn't need you to. He wants you to. The Father created you so that you could. But watch this. Somebody in your world needs you to bear much fruit. I hope you hear that this morning. Jesus wants you to. The Father created you so you could. But somebody in your circle, in your world, somebody who you hang out with, somebody who sees you, somebody who knows you, somebody who employs you or is employed by you, somebody that you are connected to in some way needs you to bear fruit because they need to understand the love of God, which is only on display for them through you. Through you. They might never articulate that to you. They might never offer you the chance to know that they're the one that needs to see the fruit. But somebody in your world is depending on you to be the fruit bearer. Look down with me in verse, uh, in verse 11. I've told you all of this so that my joy, this is Jesus, so that my joy may be in you and that your, come on, somebody get with me, that your, your joy may be complete. A lot of us are searching for how to be made whole. We feel a sense of void in our life. We feel like something has been taken away or something is missing or, or there's something that's not fulfilled in us. We search for that in terms of purpose and profession. We, we reach for it in every place. We, we run to relationships to look for it. We're trying to find a way to have this sense of wholeness. We're not the first ones to think of it. And listen to what Jesus says about it. He says, what you're missing is the completion of your joy. Well, Jesus, where can I find that? I've, I've searched everywhere. We're like David in the Psalms saying, I ran to the heights and I dug to the depths and everywhere I went, I was looking for it. So where do I find this joy that's going to satisfy, it's going to complete me, it's going it's to end the, the parts of me that are missing, like it's, it's going it's it's to fulfill all of that for me. And Jesus says that it's in him and it's in his joy that your life is made complete. I want to be the new person to the church today. So if you're new to, to, not just to our church, to any church, if you're new to church, I understand what maybe a little bit of what you were feeling. Um, you know, when you're new to church and you, you don't really understand a lot about how church works and, 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 and relationship to God kind of thing, you, you walk in and you see people and you're like, all right, these people kind of look like me. They kind of seem like they kind of act like me. They might even live on my block. I feel like we can, this is okay. 
And then they start doing this thing where they start singing. You're like, okay, like I do this in my car with the radio too, you know, not the same music, but I, but I, I get it. I sing. And then there's always a couple people who do something like this. <laughs> and then there's always one or two radical people, they usually sit up closer to the front, who start shouting out, hallelujah, glory, amen. And you're like, oh, that's weird. I don't know what they're doing there. I don't know what they're doing there. Did somebody step on their toe or what happened there? <laughs> and you kind of just watch. And if, you're, if, you, if, you, if you remain kind of faithful to it, you'll come back a couple weeks in a row and you'll see they're doing it and they keep doing it. And you're like, all right, what's that about? And then a couple months later, you find yourself still in church. And then, you know, maybe, maybe a year, maybe 18 months later, all of a sudden they're singing some song. And, and Scott's going, you know, look, look, can we just celebrate this for a minute? Like, the, the, the worship team is great every week, but when Scott gets behind this thing, whoo, did anybody else experience a little bit of that when Scott was hitting those keys where you're just like, ah, I just feel like I'm in heaven right now. Anybody, come on, can we celebrate that? Come on. Like, look, look, look. I've been to church, I've been, I've been doing this church thing for a long time, and, 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 and worship is, is a big piece of what happens on a Sunday morning. It's a big piece of how we prepare our hearts to receive the word. It's a big piece of how we identify with God throughout the rest of the week. If you find yourself singing a song that you sang on Sunday throughout the rest of the week, it's because that worship piece connected you, right? And so when Scott was hitting them keys, I was just like, God, we're warming up. It's good. I just felt myself, and you, you probably heard a little bit of it. I had a couple shout-out kind of moments, right? And if you're new to church, I'm sorry if that scared you, but look, if you hang out for about 18 months, you're going to find yourself doing it. You raise your hands to somebody, like, oh, this is cool. I get it, yeah. I don't do it because I want to show anybody, and neither does anybody else who does it. Matter of fact, we probably don't even know if you know this. But it happens because there's a sense of God having completed something in me. God having made whole something that was void. When there were seasons in my life when, when I couldn't do that, the worship leader would say, stand up, and I'd be like, my legs don't want to because my heart is hurting. So stand up. I just really want to fall down, Right? But I promise you this, as we abide in Jesus, he completes some stuff in us. Can I speak to those of us who have some destructive things going on in our lives? That stuff that's like eroding at you, right? The private sin that we don't want anybody to know about. The destructive thoughts that run through our mind. Can I speak to this? There's a disconnect between the life giver and the branch. There's a broken chain in there somewhere. You might be a beautiful lamp with a great light bulb that just needs to get plugged in. What's going on when, when those things begin to work themselves out in our lives, when we begin to see those things in us, yeah. it immediately says there's something disconnected between the branch and the life source. I'll go back to the uh, analogy. I, I, I made a faux pas recently, and, uh, and so I needed to be a good husband, and so I stopped at Protus Junction. <laughs> and, uh, and it wasn't around Valentine's Day, so that meant I could afford the roses. And, uh, and so they were back on their $5 sale again, and so 
um, I, I picked up a dozen roses, and I was so excited to bring them home. And, and I got home before Michelle, and I got the vase out, and I put the roses in, and, and I put the warm water, and I sprinkled a little bit of salt. I don't know if you should or not, but that's what I did. I thought it would work. I Googled that somewhere. But, uh, and, then I, and I stuck the flowers. I put the, I put the fresh cut on the bottom, on the angle, so they would suck the water up, all those kind of things. Come on, come on. Y'all, y'all can... I get a little clap, a little clap, you know, not, not everybody can do that, but man, you're welcome, now you know, okay, and so, uh, so I did this, right, but I started to put the roses in, now watch this, I put them all in, they, they were looking so good, they were looking so good, and, and I just stared at them for a minute, and when I stared at them for a minute, I just saw one of the roses go like this, so I had 11, and I was like, well, maybe she won't notice, and I was so frustrated, I was like, why is this thing falling over already, like, it's brand new. And I looked at it, and I realized that when I cut the rubber band off, I actually cut through one of the stems. But not like all the way, so it didn't break off completely. It just, I just cut the outer edge of it, so it's like hinged like an arm, you know? And just like, well, hanging there. Now, here's where you know I was a really good husband. I, I stood that thing back up and put some tape on it. Stuck it into the middle, put the other ones around it. <laughs> I was like, I hope she don't notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but when I saw the rose go like this, I knew there was a problem that it wasn't grafted in. And my quick fix was some duct tape. But honestly, some of us have been trying to quick fix our lives with Jesus instead of coming back to God and saying, God, I just need you to graft me in. So here I am, God. I'm going to hold nothing back. Would you, just, would you just take me and just like really tie me in to who you are? Now, I don't have any time to go any further, but check this out. Jesus says this. He says, he says if we're not willing to do that, well, we're a branch that's going to get cut off. And when it gets cut off, it'll be laying on the ground. And then somebody's going to come around and gather up the dead branches and they only have one purpose. They're good for the fire. They're good for the fire. I want to say this to every one of us. You're better than firewood. You're better than destined for a fire. Because God has declared that you're heaven bound if you would just graft, if you would just allow yourself to be grafted into him to abide with him, to be with him. Three things I just want you to take home with you this morning. The first thing is this. God is the one who leads us through the time of cleaning up and linking in. So it has to start with, God, I need you. It can't start with, a, God, I'm going to get clean. God, I'm going to get right. God, I'm going to do better. It's got to start with, God, I need you. He's the one who leads us through that. The second thing I want to say this morning, I want you to take home with you this morning is the pruning that happens as the tree gets shaped is what allows us to continue to bear good fruit. You were built to bear fruit. But just like anything else, your edges are going to get weathered. And if we don't cut that back, you'll stop bearing fruit. Showing up won't be enough. You've got to ask God to do some shaping on your life. 
So as you're reading and praying and thinking and talking, you're doing your mall walk around with your friends, and and one of your friends who loves Jesus says something to you, and it kind of smarts a little bit, recognize that that just might be how God is pruning your life. When you hear something that kind of startles you a little bit, recognize that it just might be how God is pruning your life. So God, I'll allow you to shape me. Even though it doesn't feel great, I'll allow you to shape me. One, really quick, one of the things I love to do for my kids is I love to be the one who cuts their toenails. I'm a toenail cutter guy. For my kids, for my kids, I can't really reach mine, but for my kids, I'm a toenail, stop it. For my kids, I'm a toenail cutter guy. Um, and it's really cool because toenails don't hurt to get cut, but you're really scared when they're going to do it. Kids are at least. They're scared, Dad, don't do it. And you, you've already done it. You're like, it's over. And like, oh, cool. But occasionally, I'll nip when I should have snipped. I'll nip, and I'm like, ah, it smarts a little bit. Well, that pain will pass. But if we don't cut that toenail back, something funky's going to happen there. (laughs) So we got to cut that back, right? Take that story with you. All right, last thing I want to say this morning is this. Abiding in Jesus means we get to live in our purpose, and our identity. I want to invite you this morning, Michelle, if you want to text Pastor Ricky, I want to invite you this morning in Jesus. I want to invite you this morning, lean into him, plug into him, read the word of God, walk with somebody who loves Jesus, listen for the voice of God in the areas of your life that you're already in, but also would you be willing to do this? Would you just ask God, God, am I Judas? Am I Judas? You invited me to be with you, but am I actually selling you out for something else? Because if I am, I still have a chance to have a different ending. I still have a chance. I don't know how the story would have played out if Judas had stood up in this moment and said, Jesus, I need to be anchored in. I don't know how the rest of the story would have gone, how Jesus would have ended up on a cross. He still would have ended on a cross somehow. I don't know how it would have happened. Judas didn't do that. But you and I have the invitation today. Am I Judas? Because if so, God, I want to be grafted back in. I don't want to sell you for 30, 30 bucks. God does some great things, Amen. God is doing some great things in our midst. We just went through John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. I know we're way through, but uh, you got the full story. I the story this week. Would you pray with me as we get ready to transition? Father God, I, I pray this morning that, that we not forget the fact that we bear good fruit. We were made to bear good fruit, that the fruit that we are made to produce is tasty and sweet and and purposeful for the world around us. God, I pray that men and women alike in this space today would hear the challenge of the Lord to say, life doesn't have to be beautiful all the time. It doesn't have to feel great all the time. But you and I can be grafted. We can be tied in. We can be linked. Jesus. We can abide with him and abiding with you, Jesus, will be able to fulfill a purpose. 
be fruit bearers in the world around us. God, would you help us to see times in our lives when we've disconnected from you and to come back and say, God, I want to reconnect. I just want to reconnect. I want to be tied right back in. There's no shame in this room today. If you've been disconnected from God for any reason, maybe you feel let down or disappointed or maybe you're just going through a hard season or maybe you just haven't been in a habit of reading and listening and praying, I want to invite you today. Would you pray that God would just... Maybe you don't even have the words to be able to say it, so let me just say it for you. God, would you reconnect me? Would you tie me back in? And maybe the only words that you can give to it is to say, yes, God, I need that. If that's where you're at right now, just in the stillness of where you're at, yes, God, I need that. I just need to be tied back in. That's the beginning of the story, not the end. That's the invitation in. That's not the final destination. Everything might not change right away, but everything will change right away at the same time. See, God hears that prayer, and he says yes to that. God hears that invitation, and he takes you up on that. God desires more than anything for you and I to be tied to him. I know this because he died so that we might be able to be. He gave up his son so that you and I might be able to be tied to him. So whatever's going on in your life right now, wherever you're at, this week, I pray that you and I would abide in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit of God that goes before us. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.